0: Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg.
1: And a great good afternoon. Welcome. Monday, July 25th, the year 2022, a special day dealing with the letter I'll explain shortly, but my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, producing, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also thrilled to be 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming all over the globe, all over the globe at uh, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area and you want to see us, well, you can pop on your television set as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber.
0: Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines.
1: Oh, what a Monday it is, and the letter M stands out. Yesterday, it was um, a guy by the name of Mondo Duplantis. What a um, what a superstar he is. I am watching the World Championships from Eugene, Oregon. And Mondo DePlantis, um does it again, and he does it with such flair and such... Incredible athleticism. He added another medal to his collection Sunday night when he took the gold with a world record in the pole vault on the final day of the world championships in Eugene, Oregon. He was the silver medalist at the 2019 world championships in Doha, claimed the gold at his second world championships to go with the gold he won at the Tokyo Olympics last summer. This one was a big one, representing his mother's home country of Sweden, Duplantis broke his own world record when he cleared an astounding 20 feet, four and one half inches on his second attempt at venerable Hayward Field. In doing so, Duplantis easily bested American Christopher Nielsen, his old youth track and collegiate rival who settled for the silver medal of 19.5 and three quarters. A proud Lafayette native. Um, Mondo Duplantis gets it done. What a spectacular! And it was the it was the last the last thing shown. Um, the relays were all done, and Mondo had already won the gold. He was just trying to get a world record, and the world record uh, he did get spec. Spectacular. Um, Very special day uh, and a special evening tonight at 630. LSU will unveil a statue of Pistol Pete, Pete Maravich, the all-time leading scorer in NCAA Division I basketball history, right there next to Shaq and Bob Pettit on the north side of the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. What took so long, I have absolutely no earthly clue. But coming up, I'll share some stories of a near-dear friend who, uh, 10 years older than me, he would be, or he always was, but the impact that he had on me and some of the things that I said and some of the, that I saw and some of the things that he and I did together, I will share some of that uh, with you. Quite the, quite the remarkable, remarkable story, the greatest basketball player ever again, that these eyes have ever, ever, ever seen. Um, Another award for a track and field athlete, Aliyah Armstrong, a star hurdler for the LSU track and field team, was selected as the All-State Sugar Bowl's James J. Corbett Award winner as the top female amateur athlete in the state of Louisiana. Armstrong and 25 other individuals and four teams will be honored for their achievements at the Greater New Orleans Sports Hall of Fame Awards Banquet on July the 30th. Um, she's, she's some kind of special, uh, she earned the honor after capturing the national championship and the 100 meter hurdles at the NCAA outdoor track and field championships on June the 11th, her time of 12.57 seconds in rating conditions landed LSU. It's first 100 meter hurdle title since 2000. Um, she placed at the World Championships in the finals last night, she earned a fourth-place finish against the top hurdlers in the world with a time of 12.31, which shattered her personal best time. So congratulations to, one, Aliyah Armstrong. Also, the Sun Belt will have their media days starting Tomorrow and concluding on Wednesday, and defending Sunbelt Conference champion, the Rage and Cajuns had five players earn preseason honors today as a league office released its 2022 preseason football teams and coaches poll. Now, in voting conducted by the league's head coaches, Louisiana was picked to finish first in the Sunbelt Conference West Division after garnering 12 first place votes and a league best 95 points. Four players on the preseason first team, Zai Hill Green, a defensive lineman, Eric Garrar, a defensive back, Reese Burns, the punter, and Chris Smith, all-purpose back, were selected. Named to the second team was linebacker Andre Jones. So you take a look at why the Raging Cajuns have been picked um, to win their division. Because when you look at the SEC and their preseason picks, well, um, LSU was picked to finish fifth in the SEC West behind Alabama, number two, Texas A&M number three, Arkansas, number four, Ole Miss. LSU's picked fifth, Mississippi State six, Auburn seven. Well, um, the media day's all-SEC team offense kind of lives up to that. Of 33 players selected, first, second, third team, only one LSU player on the list, and that's on the first team, wide receiver Kayshawn Butte. On the defensive side of the football, out of 33 members mentioned, two LSU players made the cut. First team, B.J. O'Gillari on the defensive line and Ali Gay, the bookend pass rushers. So those two made it. And also Mason Smith made the third team. So out of 66 players chosen, LSU had four. Had four. So... Uh, That kind of goes to show you coaches are one thing. Players are a whole nother thing. Um, So we'll keep you up to speed on that. Major League Baseball of six divisions, we have got three horse races and three blowouts. The blowouts, the AL East, the Yankees lead the Blue Jays by 12 and a half and the Rays by 13. In the AL West, the Astros lead the Mariners by 13. 13 games. The Rangers are in third 20 games back. And in the National League, in the National League West, it's the L.A. Dodgers with a very comfortable 11 and a half game lead over the Padres, 16 and a half over the Giants. The other three divisions, two in the National, one in the American are horse races. In the NL Central, the Brewers lead the St. Louis Cardinals by just two and a half. In the NL East, it's the Mets with a one and a half game lead over the Atlanta Braves. And in the AL Central, the Minnesota Twins lead the Washington Guardians by three and the Chicago White Sox by four. So roughly 76 games have been played, give or take a few. Um, So long, I mean, I'm sorry, 96 games plus or minus a couple. So we're coming down the cases in the stretch run of Major League Baseball. Um, sad, sad story for um, a number, uh, a high draft choice of the coming from Alabama. Coming from Alabama. Um, and I'm trying to... Um, John Meche, who was the 44th pick overall by the Houston Texans, has been diagnosed with leukemia. In all likelihood, he will miss the entire 2022 season. But in the grand scheme of things, how important is football when we're talking about life? So um, thoughts and prayers to John Mechie III. Uh, What a talented wide receiver. Remember, he was one of two wide receivers, Jamison Williams the other, who got hurt. Um, and wasn't able to play in the national championship game. There is a new uh, team that has emerged in talks with the Brooklyn Nets on a possible Kevin Durant deal, and that would be the Boston Celtics. Now, they don't appear any closer to acquiring Durant than others in discussions with the Nets, but Boston's ability to include all-star forward Jalen Brown as a centerpiece uh, does help make the team formidable in his pursuit. Miami, Phoenix, Toronto have been well-known of their interest in Durant, but the Celtics have also been in regular contact with the Nets, according to sources, Um, so uh, stay tuned on that one. We shall see. Live golfer Sergio Garcia has changed his mind. He is not resigning um, from the DP World Tour membership. So away we go from the 2017 Masters Champion. The Saints will uh, start training camp on Wednesday. And the news is the possibilities of Alvin Kamara, who might be available for week one because the nfl is sitting back waiting waiting to see exactly uh what is going to happen as they collect more and more evidence uh on on this situation with camara Um, remember he has a trial date set for august but apparently that might not come to play they may They may push this and push this and push this back. And this thing may take quite some time. Several are predicting that uh, Alvin Kamara will be available and play this entire season. Uh, Time will tell. We We shall see. So much depends upon his presence and can the Saints... Stay healthy with Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas and Marcus Davenport and Taysom Hill and Marcus May and Peyton Turner. If they all recover along with um, with others, can they recover and, and be ready to roll uh, to get some very important practice time in? We shall see. We shall see. All right. Um, a busy day planned for you and yours. Uh, Glenn West of Go247 Sports will join us at around 2.30 uh, to share his thoughts on, boy, if, if there's not any more motivation for the LSU Tigers than, than what the uh, media prognosticators have come up with, fifth in division and not many players on the all-SEC team, now's the time. Plus, they pick up another valuable recruit um, at a very – important position of need. Chris Rose Glue will join us at three o'clock. We'll talk all things New Orleans Saints as training camp gets underway on Wednesday. And then uh, Blake Rafino will join us at around 3.30 from the Are You Serious podcast as we uh, talk more and more and more about the LSU Tigers. Um, speaking of the Sunbelt, the game 1037 Lafayette, 104 Lake Charles is taking over the Big Easy for Sunbelt Media Days. Tune in Tuesday, July 26th. Wednesday, July 27th is RP3 and company footnotes and crunch time will be broadcasting from New Orleans for the games live from Sunbelt Media Day coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Tune in for the takeover of the Big Easy right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana sports station. Used to be only one day, now it's two. Sunbelt going big time. All right, we're going big time as well. We'll take our first time out of the day. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the Houston Astros, the LSU Tigers, and this week, the Sunbelt Conference Media Days. When we return, stories, story time on Pistol Pete, next
0: great news my sports loving friend no more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right that's because you've already found the perfect match for sports talk love that is Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right. Welcome back at 20 minutes after the hour, this evening around six 30, the public is invited to come out to the Pete Maravich assembly center, their practice facility for the unveiling of a well-deserved statue to stand alongside those hall of famers, Shaquille O'Neal and Bob Pettit on the North side of the Pete Maravich assembly center pistol, Pete, the all time leading scorer in NCAA division one basketball history. Remember he only played for three years because freshmen weren't eligible to play at that time. Um, He scored 3,667 points, scored an average of 44.2 points per game. Uh, Their records today, they'll be records forever unless somebody does the unthinkable and stays and plays for four years in college basketball. Remember, there was no three-point line. Remember, there was no shot clock. And Pete did what he did. And um, I am proud to say that, uh, look, I, he Pete was 10 years older than me. So I was like in the seventh grade when he was uh, he put on a clinic at uh, what was going to be my high school. And for one hour, put on the most incredible display of shot taking, shot making, ball handling skills and passing drills that these young eyes had ever seen. I was absolutely mesmerized. It changed my life forever. I was determined to try and get as close to what he did as I possibly could. I fell far, far short. But oh, I could spin a ball on my finger. I could make behind the back passes. I could shoot from downtown. I could do those. I just couldn't do them as well as he could. But yet no one could. No one could. My dad would take me and I love my dad. Gosh. And I'm so thankful that he did this. Uh, every year Pete would come down with LSU those three years they would play Tulane and they would play Loyola and my dad would get tickets and we would see the greatest show on hardwood. It was breathtaking and mesmerizing and just incredible. Um, we only saw the finished product we didn't see all the endless endless hours of preparation how his father pete pete believe it or not played all the sports he was a shortstop in baseball he was a quarterback in football but his dad wanted him to be a basketball player so he was out there fielding ground balls and they kept hitting him to him and hitting it to him and hitting it to him until one of them took a bad hop and hit him in the forehead and his dad convinced Pete, hey, you don't want to play baseball. Nah, that's, nah. nah. He played quarterback at, at, on the football team, all in grammar school. And he got hit, and he got hit, and he got hit again and again and again. And he was only five, about five, six, eighty 80 pounds, string bean. He hadn't reached his growth spurt yet. Dad convinced him, you don't want to play football. You want to play basketball. And Pete gobbled that up swallowed it and just took off with it dribbling to the movie theater on his bicycle sitting on the aisle seat at the movie theater bouncing the ball obviously not many people in the theater because they would have gone they would have um kicked him out or f- taken a knife to the ball and flattened it but he did those type of things um I saw him score 66 against Tulane University when Tulane had their first African-American player named Harold Sylvester. If you ever watch the show Married with Children, Al Bundy, well, Harold Sylvester was Al Bundy's shoe salesman assistant. He became um, a fixture in Hollywood. Well, he made the mistake of saying, I'm going to jam the pistol. It was on the headlines of the, the Times-Picayune and the States-Item. Back then, there were two newspapers in New Orleans, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Well, um, Harold Sylvester started out on Pete. Harold Sylvester fouled out in the first half. Pete scored 66. 66. He became the first millionaire in NBA history. And um, he put basketball on the map in New Orleans when – traded from Atlanta to the New Orleans Jazz. I got to know Pete after his career was over. I got to talk to him on a, a very one-on-one um, situation where we uh, had a camera and, and a microphone and we taped it and we showed it on television. And um, we even got to play a little horse together. Highlight of my basketball career. Um, we stopped at H-O-R-S apiece. Pete had to go. We didn't have time to finish. Um, So I tied the legendary pistol Pete in a game of horse, And he was taking all kinds of crazy shots. Pete had his demons, but just imagine the pressure on a young man, knowing that everything the other team is set to do is to try to slow you down and contain you. And the packed audiences from every city that he traveled to and every home game, if Pete didn't score 40 or more points, people would go home and feel like they were let down. Imagine that. God pointed to pistol Pete and said, you're going to be a basketball player and you're going to be the greatest at what you do. Pete could play at this, at this level, At this time of his life, if he had moved up and was born, I don't know, 50 years later, his skill set would exist and would thrive in this era of the three-point shot. Uh, No hand-checking, free flow of play, a shot clock, a three-point line at 6'5". Oh, Pete would have been unguardable. Unstoppable. And as a result, he's uh, always included in the top 50 NBA players of all time. He is the king of the college basketball world. Other teams won more with the Al Cinders and the Bill Waltons. But no one had a more resonating effect on people and young people that fell in love with the game of basketball because of Pistol Pete. His shooting was remarkable. His ball handling was unsurpassed, unmatched, and his basketball IQ, his vision, his ability to get the ball to the right person in a way that was pure showmanship was never before and never since seen. He threw a behind the back pass like you and I would throw a regular chess pass he was great i don't know what took so long the politics that seemed to continue to run and exist at lsu made absolutely no sense whatsoever but his statue will now go up alongside shaquille o'neal and alongside bob pettit all great players no question no doubt but neither could hold a candle to Pistol Pete. Pete started playing. Goals started popping up. Kids in a football-centric state fell in love with the game of basketball. And still to this day, the memories of Pistol Pete resonate unlike any other. Shaquille could dunk it. Bob Pettit could shoot it and rebound it, but the greatest show on hardwood was Pistol Pete. Packed houses everywhere, and he never, ever disappointed, ever, ever. The greatest of all time, and he gets his just reward in front of his um, uh, his former wife, His two sons that will be there. Dale Brown will speak at this. Uh, We've all been invited for a little um, pre unveiling ceremony inside the practice facility. And I am so so very much looking forward to it, bringing my daughter, she is absolutely elated. Uh, for this opportunity. So it's a very, very special day. Really looking forward to it. All right, um, enough of that. The game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th. And you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, hotel accommodations. that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Book your AC, Lay Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. One last thing. If you're too young and you've never seen Pistol Pete, just Google him and just watch. Just watch. Now, it's going to look different. The, the, the cameras, not nearly as sophisticated as they are now, so it's going to look slower gonna look a lot different but trust me if you trust me on anything trust me on this pistol pete's game could play now and pistol pete would average about 35 in the nba without question without doubt he was that great all right we'll talk lsu who motivation put up the put up the bulletin board material they don't think you're worth a darn fifth in the west and players Ain't got many. Uh uh-uh, uh, it's not a good team. Brian Kelly, he'll use it to his ability. And we'll talk about that and more with Glenn West from Go247 Sports when we get back here. The Geordie Helpert Show on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros, the LSU Tigers, and this week, the Sunbelt Conference Media Days in Southwest Louisiana.
0: We love talking about sports. Yep. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yep. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: We're back 35 minutes after the hour. Let's talk all things LSU. A 2024 commitment. Um media members not thinking very highly of LSU for this upcoming season. Let's go to Go247 Sports uh Glenn West for his thoughts on those matters and much much more. Good afternoon, Glenn. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Jordy. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, you see, if Les Miles were the head coach, he would not do this interview with you because you're wearing red. You, know, <laughs> you, you couldn't do that. Uh, it's red, and it's 24-7, so oh, I, I guess i got to bite hey, the bullet. I'm not with, Les uh, Miles, I promise. You're good. Yeah. You're good. All right, let's start with uh, the newest commitment, this time in the class of 24, and a position of need, a pretty highly rated tight end.
2: Yeah, no, a great a great pickup for LSU. They got a guy named Tavion Galloway out of the – out of the north, uh, he's up from the Minnesota area, and he uh, committed to the program over the weekend. A really, uh, you know, top five, uh, you know, recruit in terms of tight ends right now on 24 twenty four sevens rankings, and uh, yeah, a, a big-bodied guy. He also plays basketball, and uh, you got to have the, you know, I think that's kind of a, a trend nowadays with yes. dual sport athletes, especially a at tight end. You know, they're usually basketball players too, so. Uh, just a, a really nice pickup. I mean, obviously, they're getting a head start on 2024. It's a really important year in terms of just having those multi-years multi for these yeah. coaches, coaching staff to really build those relationships with the players. I mean, even in 2023, you're not able to really get that you know, that full recruiting experience. You know, you have about a year, but not really the multi years where you can really you know build and and an, you know build up those relationships. So uh, a big addition for them, obviously, tight end is a position that's probably one of need. You know, moving forward here, they got one in twenty twenty three, and now they have this guy in number in twenty twenty four, and I think you're you're looking at a, an offense that obviously is going to really want to utilize those tight ends moving forward.
1: Um, Mike Denbrock, LSU's offensive coordinator recruited him while he was in cincinnati so that helps Mm -hmm. Uh, brian kelly has a pretty good track record when it comes to getting uh tight ends into the league so that helps um so that's four commitments for 2024 and they rank number two in the nation according to you guys so i mean if you say it it's honest it's the truth so we'll see about that now i guess the truth is uh, media members aren't thinking very highly of this lsu football team are they
2: no, I mean, uh, they, they came out obviously with the rankings last week after the media days sessions were all you know fixed and, and, and done. And uh, yeah, they had LSU finishing number five in the NCC West. That was a little lower, a little lower than I had them. Uh, I had them finishing over Arkansas and Ole Miss at number three. So, um, you know, I think that. You know, the or no, it was A and had them in finishing over A and M in Arkansas. Sorry. And then Ole Miss was number two. But yeah, I mean I think, you know, it just kinda of speaks to how deep the SEC West is this year. I think the West is is far deeper than the East. I think you can make a case, honestly, that if L S U finishes fifth in the SEC West, you know, they might wind up being you know, I think they're still they could be a top seven team in the SEC because I do think Georgia is that much better than everybody else in the SEC. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how all that shakes out. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm a little bit higher, I think, on the, on the LSU than, than a lot of the, than the national media guys are this year.
1: Uh, Glenn West, 247 Sports, um, covering LSU. It comes down to players, and I did the math. 66 players were voted upon. Mm -hmm. uh, First, second, third team, offense and defense. Of those 66, four were from LSU. Only one um, on the offensive side with Kayshawn Butte. So um, when it comes to... uh, you know, when you look at the players and, and who's getting the most on these all preseason teams, you can see why Alabama, Georgia, A&M and those teams are ahead of LSU.
2: Yeah, I think I think Alabama had something like 19 <laughs> players between the three teams. I mean, yeah. they I mean, it kind of speaks to how, you know, how how highly regarded they are this year amongst media members. And yeah, I mean, in terms of LSU, I think it's not a a, a total surprise, particularly on the offensive side of the football year. You know, you're not welcoming back a, a ton of guys who who put up huge numbers last year, and and, and we're in that discussion. You had a couple all CC freshman candidates, and Jack Besh, and uh, you know, uh, Malik Neighbors came on strong at the end mm-hmm. of last year. But I mean, this is still a relatively unproven offense, and particularly during a you know coaching change, you kind of you, you kind of got to. You know, prove it, you know, before you kind of uh, you know, get that kind of recognition. So, uh, I do think LSU's still in a, a really good spot. I think they they obviously have a lot of talent on this roster. It's just going to be about finding those right combinations the first few weeks of fall camp, which gets started next week.
1: In theory. Brian Kelly could start around five transfers on offense, including the quarterback. He could have six on the defensive side, including the entire secondary in theory. So that's how does how long does it take these new players to gel? That's the key. Yep.
2: Yeah. And then that's
1: obviously something they were working
2: on back in the spring. I think that the nice part about, you know, kind of the transfers was that a lot of those key guys, were here during the spring and they weren't summer enrollees who haven't had a chance to really dive into the offense yet on the field with all these guys. So, uh, you know, I think there's there's a number of guys you could see play really early. Obviously, Miles Frazier, Traymond Shorts, yeah. uh, Kyron Lacey on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, on you know on on defense, you, you're certainly looking at a secondary heavy you know transfer look and Barrett Barnard Converse. Uh, uh, you know, you got Makai Garner from ULL and Joe Fouché and uh, seven great books, seven banks from Ohio State. And yeah. he was the one out of that secondary that committed and, and signed during the summer. So he hasn't had that spring, you know, kind of time yet. And he's a guy who's been kind of injury laden throughout his career at Ohio State. So I think a lot of these guys are going to have to prove that they can stay on the field first. And then uh, then obviously you work out the reps and the snaps and all that stuff during fall.
1: And the other thing, I mean, when you talk about the SEC, uh, Glenn, um, it's up front. How does the offensive line play? How does the defensive line play? B.J. Ogilary, Jaqueline Roy, Mason Smith, proven playmakers. But even with them, LSU still ranked just 70th in rushing success rate allowed in 2021. So you got to get better at stopping the run or everything else goes to to heck in a handbasket.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a good point. I, I do think LSU was, you know, a little bit behind the eight ball at times. They had a couple of uh, a couple of those blown up games that I think kind of really worked, you know, screwed with their their uh, their 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 whole total statistics for the season. I think they did get better as the season went on uh, in, in the rushing, uh, you know, stopping the run department. But there's no doubt. I mean, their the strength of this this team right now is the defensive line, and you're going to have to get all four of those guys up front. Uh, To be at their very best for your defense to be uh, among the elite in the SEC and there's I mean there's reason to believe that you know you can certainly get that I mean obviously BJ is a you know potential first round pick next year you got Mason Smith who's a budding superstar Roy uh, obviously a guy who was you know a little bit banged up last year at times but uh, really came on strong at the end of the year I think there's a lot to work with there. And obviously, Ali Gay, we didn't even mention him. He's returning as the senior transfer, or as, as the senior guy who missed a good chunk of last year as well. So mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's a lot of talent up front. And I think LSU just, uh, they, they need to stay healthy, is the biggest thing.
1: You know, I, I always come up with these things, and you know, you do these Mount Rushmore things, and I'm I'm talking about athletes only, and you can only take one from each sport, whatever sports are out there for LSU. You can only take one. So, um, football, I'm gonna go with Joe Burrow. I guess them basketball. I'm gonna go with Pistol Pete. Sorry, Shaq. Sorry, Bob. Sorry, but Pistol Pete is the man. Um, uh, baseball, I. The player, golly, is it Ben McDonald? Is it Todd Walker? I, I mean, Ben McDonald was a, was a, the overall number one pick, um, the college baseball player of the year. So I got to go with Ben McDonald. But I'm going to tell you what, I think the one that's going to be the most decorated, he was only here for one year. That's Mondo Duplantis. This yeah. dude, this dude, I, he set a world record. And I swear, if he had jumped again, he'd have broken that record again. He cleared it by so much
2: yeah he uh he's broken his own world record five times now a little bit over a year um which is just incredibly impressive I mean I'm right there with you in terms of just athletic achievements I mean there's really not much that any any LSU player past or present has been able to accomplish I mean he's been really uh just killing it and I think he's uh, but, and really the one thing that he wasn't able to do was get the national championship here in college. I think he lost the national championship while he was here
0: yeah.
2: at LSU. He came in, I think, second that year. And I think yeah. it just kind of goes to show you that, you know, just an off day can can hurt you. But, That's like, right. I mean, he he's having a lot of really good days recently in terms <laughs> of his, his jumping. He, he's pretty phenomenal to watch.
1: And I thought the announcer said it best. I didn't think about this, but he is um, he is a sprinter going down the track. Um, he is strong for his look. Yeah. And then he becomes a gymnast in the air. And his ability to twist and maneuver and get over that ball. Man, man, that one. and the fact that it was the last thing shown at the world championships on yeah. television. I'm sitting there 9 45 glued to yeah. it. normally I'm sound asleep and I'm up and I'm like, I can't wait to see this. And boom, did he hit it? It was spectacular.
2: Yeah, and it's also really cool seeing the reaction from the crowd after yeah. something like that. I mean, you can really tell that those those fans are intimate about you know track and about uh, those various events. And uh, I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the first to admit, I don't know a whole lot about track and field that uh, you just know a good athlete when you see it. Yep. And uh, yeah, Mondo is certainly, you know, right up there with some of the best LSU has ever had to offer.
1: I just know who can run fast um, <laughs> and who can jump high and yeah. uh, nobody. I'm going to tell you what, I don't, he he's going to go down as the greatest of all time for sure right. uh, until somebody else comes along and breaks it. But he's so young, I don't, he can go he can go a long, long ways. Um, yeah. I make sure he this more medals ready. in his
2: future for sure. Yeah,
1: for sure, for sure. How many Olympic games? You know, it's all about health. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to mature physically, uh, but he's got that flair to him, and I, I, it's just really, really really exciting i wish we could get him on the usa team instead of sweden Uh, we need all the points we can get um uh, but glenn west of go 247 sports well before your time but tonight pistol pete statue will be unveiled for someone your youthfulness when i mention pistol pete what 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 comes to your mind uh well i mean
2: first first thing that comes to my mind is my dad i mean my dad Just told me about Pistol Peak, you know growing up and we watched all the movies and the documentaries and stuff the SEC documentary that came out a couple years ago on him was fantastic and certainly seen a lot of highlights you know the the fancy passing and all that stuff he was kind of ahead of his time in in regards to the the, the passes he was able to make the lanes he was able to see um yeah just a, a phenomenal player and a guy that I mean, uh, you, you stick into this modern NBA, I think oh. we'll, we'll fit in seamlessly. Would be, we'd be the modern Steph Curry, I think. I mean, maybe with not quite the jump shot that Steph has, but that similar kind of just awe-inspiring player, I think it would be very similar to what Maravich did back in the day. So, yeah, very, very excited to see what they do. I haven't actually seen the sculpture or anything yet. They, they reveal that tonight. We got – our guy Matty B at twenty four seven, he's heading over to do that, uh, cover all that stuff, get some great videos. So we'll have plenty of coverage on that for tomorrow for sure.
1: Kind of seen it. Looks like it's kinda it doesn't look like he's six five or or taller, <laughs> like a uh, Shaq and Pettit, they were full size. Looks like he's bent over a little bit, might have a, a ball spinning between his leg or so, who knows. Let's um see. But, uh, yeah, the fact, no shot clock, no three-point line. If if he were playing – look, Steph Curry's the greatest shooter I've ever seen, but Pete had the same range, mm-hmm. um, and Pete would have easily have averaged, in my humble opinion, in the NBA today, if healthy, Pete could have easily scored 35 a night uh, just getting out of bed. Wow. Just wow. getting out of bed. And he would have played in front of packed houses because scoring was great, but his ball handling and passing were – Absolutely second to none. Uh Glenn West, go 247. Back to football. When does LSU report for camp? Well, give me the timelines.
2: So they haven't officially announced it yet. We know it's going to be sometime next week, the first week of August, or when teams are allowed to start, you know, preparing for for their seasons. And so would expect something pretty soon in terms of when they're actually going to get started. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, they, they're kind of right now in another recruiting week where they're allowed to go heavy with recruiting. So they're oh. going to be welcoming a bunch of bunch of prospects on on campus this week. I think they got some something special planned on Friday in terms of like a pool party. That's something that our guy Sunny oh. reported. So they're gonna they're gonna be milking it because they go back right into a dead period next week, uh, starting August first. So. You, you want to get these guys on campus. And then I think obviously the next big thing is going to see how many of them come in for games and stuff uh, throughout the fall, but uh, certainly lots to keep an eye on.
1: What, what would you do? You've seen Brian Kelly dancing. What would you do if they had a video and Brian Kelly's doing a, uh, a front flip off the diving board on his <laughs> LSU Lake house?
2: I don't know. I think jet skis are supposed to be in the plan is what we've, what, what we've reported. So uh, if, uh, what would be you care if Brian Kelly was on a jet ski, I'm not sure. I don't know how that would go, but uh, uh, we'll see.
1: <laughs> just be careful because I jog that area often and they've yeah. got those big, uh, big, whatever you want to dredging machines inside those lakes as they're trying to clean up and improve that area so if there's jet skis i can't imagine that putting football Uh, players on jet skis no way glenn west i'm not sure no player in their right mind is going to take the chance of getting hurt no way i'm not sure exactly where it
2: is i mean i just heard i just do know that there's going to be some kind of pool party it might not be at kelly's house it might be Uh somewhere a little bit more safer than the LSU lakes. Cause you don't know what's in those LSU lakes. And <laughs> I have no idea ever had a inclination to go in there, but yeah,
1: we'll see. You think they've got the, uh, the, the, um, sheets of paper in everybody's locker with LSU highlighted fifth in the sec West.
2: Uh, that's a good question. I honestly don't know the answer to, but I'm sure, uh, all those players and coaches see that, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I think they, uh, they certainly, if they don't have it written on their board, I'm sure it's probably sicken in the back of their minds somewhere.
1: All so. right, so you agree with me? Burrow, Maravich, McDonald, and Mondo, three M's? Yeah, I mean, I,
2: I would be... I, I i pete obviously i think has some strenuous competition there with shaq i just think shaq was just i i saw a little bit more of shaq highlights than i did yeah, trust me trust day, me
1: not even close Trust me. Close.
2: okay trust all right well, we'll we'll go with you on that for sure then okay. but uh yeah I, I agree on most of the other guys
1: for sure all right there you go uh he is glenn west go to four seven sports um what you going to be reporting on the next couple of days? Uh,
2: it's a good question. We got some <laughs> good stuff coming out. You know, we got some final projections in terms of just the, you know, what we think is going to happen with the starting lineup before we yeah. get well, when, So,
1: When's the quarterback, when, when are you going to make the announcement of who the starting quarterback is? Cause I know Brian Kelly's watching. So that was my hot tip
2: uh this morning was Garrett Nussmeyer was my, my Ooh. fancy projection, I guess Ooh. you could call it uh, the kind of the out there projection that not a whole lot of people are are probably expecting, but, Uh, You know, I do think he's shown a lot, you know, since the start of spring that leads you to believe he's right there in the thick of it. I mean, I really do think there's no, you know, kind of incoming favorite as to who's going to win the job. I think it's going to be that much up in the air. And I think Nussmeier has done a lot since the end of last year to really help his case.
1: And now that the NCAA is saying, look, you can have multiple transfers year after year after year. If that happens, hey, no way, Jaden Daniel's staying around here.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I I don't know exactly what's going to happen because, I mean, if he transfers – if he loses out on the job and he transfers, it's not like he's going to be able able to go start immediately somewhere else this year. So I do think there is a case of, you know, hey, if you lose the job, you stick around, maybe things don't go so well for the guy that wins it and you maybe slip in and get an opportunity and kind of wait and you know, kind of reassess after the season. But, yeah, I just don't know how – how plausible it is for guys, you know, after a big quarterback battle in fall to really get back in the portal and expect to go start immediately somewhere else. So.
1: And West with the mindset of an interior lineman, not the diva quarterback that (laughs) is we'll see. We'll see. You are probably right. We'll see. All right, Glenn. Thank you, buddy. Have a great day. Always fun talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, Glenn West, go 247 sports. We'll be back to wrap up our number one next here, The Jordan Helberg Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Indiana. The game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook up with our latest Astros Weekend Getaway. The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th. You can be there, register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations. That's Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaway is powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Saints Talk, LSU Talk, hour number two, straight ahead, the Jordy Helpert Show. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, We're down to one hour of the best sports talk. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two straight ahead. We've got um, Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast coming up at the bottom of the hour to talk about the LSU Tigers. But we begin hour number two on this Monday, July 25th, the year 2022 with the New Orleans Saints. They are two days away from the start of the training camp so we brought in our uh tremendous guest he's the writer for the spun at si now saints podcaster for boot crew media a guy who just loves football and film the one and only chris rosevoglu joining us christopher how you doing
3: buddy i'm doing well jordy excited just two days away it feels like football is finally back so i'm excited to talk saints with you
1: Absolutely. So big deal. Now, Mark Ingram has ch- changed his number. He's wearing number five, and Andy Dalton is back to his number 14. How about that? Earth breaking news.
3: <laughs> it, it, it's actually funny. We've reached a point that I'm almost losing track of the amount of uh, jersey numbers that Mark Ingram's had. And, and truth be told, when I was younger growing up, I had a Mark Ingram 28 jersey uh when he was drafted. Then it goes to 22. Now we see 14. Fans <laughs> are trying to get used to 14. Now it's back. Now it's a five. So, uh, <laughs> a lot of movement there. And now that he's five, I'd assume that means Tyron Matthews, six of 32. So uh, some interesting jersey movement for the Saints this uh, this Monday.
1: Yeah, you can tell it's slow. But the big question, Mark, is uh, he's a birthday boy today, and that's Alvin Kamara. And it seems to me that the pendulum has now swung from, well, oh, here's a guy that's going to get suspended for the first six games minimum of the season, to possibly now the overwhelming um, sentiment is, the Kamara may not be suspended at all this year. What? Tell me about what, what's going on here.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is one of those situations where I'm, I'm actually surprised that a lot of people now are realizing, hey, like there's a chance he doesn't get suspended this year because we kind of saw a similar predicament unfold with Marshawn Lattimore last year when people were worried about gun possession and whether or not he would miss time, and you know, lo and behold, in November of 2021, we found out the charges get dropped, he's off the hook. But for Kamara's case. He has that August 1st hearing, and that August 1st hearing is going to kind of dictate how the rest of the trial will go, when they're going to resume, and because of that, there's no clear timeline. And for the NFL, when it comes to circumstances like this, a a battery felony case, they usually like to wait until everything's closed, the trial's done, and then make their decision as to how they want to suspend that player, if they want to suspend suspend that player. So for Alvin Kamara, if the August 1st hearing happens and we realize that this matter is not going to get taken care of until late fall, maybe early 2023, then that obviously just wipes out the the chance of him getting suspended early in the year. And the only other option would be putting him on the commissioner's exempt list. But Jeremy Fowler just did a good job of pointing out people in Camara's situation with the case that he's facing. We've never really get, we've never seen them put on the exempt list for something of this sort. So there's a very good chance that it's going to be the good old strategy of kind of delaying the court cases, keeping that trial prolonged as long as possible. And the longer the trial goes, the lesser the odds of him getting suspended this year. So if anything, it kind of looks like the reality is he probably will play week one unless something, you know, gets leaked or this trial somehow gets taken care of super fast, which isn't the expectation. But I would say right now we're definitely, like you said, pendulum swinging in the direction of maybe next year is the year that Camara misses sometime.
1: Interesting how the pendulum has swung in the complete opposite direction. Um, the Saints, as I said, start training camp on Wednesday. Um their defense is it it appears to be very very sound um how how do you feel about the saints losing marcus williams to free agency Ma- malcolm jenkins to retirement um i love teran Matthew, but um what about may how do you feel have they have they survived their offseason safety song and dance do you believe
3: Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to depend on the guy that you mentioned last, with Marcus May, because I think with Marcus May, we're trying to figure out what is his defined role in Dennis Allen's off defense. I think that's a very interesting thing to look at, because when I go to the flip side of things, I think, look, Malcolm Jenkins was an excellent player for a long time, and also an excellent leader. And I think with Tyron Matthew, in terms of his playing abilities right now, I think in terms of just talent and production, this version of Tyron Matthew would give the Saints an upgrade over the 2021 version of Malcolm Jenkins, and It's also worth factoring in, which we've discussed before, Tyron Matthews is a great leader, so you don't have to worry about, hey, you lose one leader in the locker room, can you make up for that? No, there's another veteran presence coming in to replace him, so I feel comfortable there. The Marcus Williams-replaced-Marcus May factor, for me, is interesting because I think the one thing Marcus Williams does better than about 90% of safeties in this league is the range he has. From point A to point B, the way he's able to get there and kind of stop the big play from happening, especially over the last two seasons, it's been remarkable. So to lose that type of player, I think you're going to play a little bit different of a defense in terms of how many times you're going to give that single high safety look. I would imagine that they're going to reduce that number now because the reality is you don't have that type of player coming in. But that doesn't mean that Marcus May is just you know not a capable player in his own right. He absolutely is, and if he's 100 percent off the Achilles, I expect the Saints to have a little bit more physical of a safety duo. Marcus May is a type of player who yes can make plays at free safety, but he has no problem getting in the box, kind of being that thumper and that enforcer. So I feel good about that. I'm just a tad, I would say, concerned about how do they stop the deep passes now that Marcus Williams isn't there. But overall, though, in terms of the secondary, it's still loaded with talent. And the safety trio that they have, because P.J. Williams, I'm sure, will play some time in that spot, I feel pretty comfortable with.
1: Um, Chris Roseville, glue with us. Um, One thing that continues to – my eyes get big every time I think about it is how revamped this wide receiver – core is take take last year's trio of marquez calloway traquan smith deontay hardy and you replace that by getting what we hope will be a healthy michael thomas a jarvis landry and a chris olave that they got in the draft Has any has any team revamped a position group quite like the saints have
3: not that I can remember, I, I, it's it's remarkable to think that you're one, two, and three, like you mentioned. They're now your four, five, and six on the depth chart. I've never yeah. seen that before, and the thing of the talent, it's it's incredible, and, and it's not like they're just replacing them with slight upgrades. Like no, these are if healthy, an All Pro wide receiver in Michael Thomas; if healthy, a Pro Bowl caliber receiver and great veteran Jarvis Landry; and then if healthy, a potential pass player in Chris Olave, who you feel is polished enough to make an impact as early as Week One because he is really skilled. So I I think it's remarkable, and I think that's why I kind of laugh when people talk about, well, are the Saints going to be competitive this year? What are they going to do? I I just look back at last year's offense, and I'm like, that offense didn't really have a lot of skilled players. There wasn't a lot of firepower there. And that team won nine games. So when I look at this team and I look at the, the improvement they've made to their receiving corps, I can't help but think about how much better this offense on paper should be. So I'm intrigued by it. I can't remember the last time I've seen, like you said, just a skill position group just get just thrown in a bunch of talent all at once, crazy. and it's going to be fascinating to see because if all of them are healthy, and and a lot of it comes down to the big is Michael Thomas uh, going to be healthy? Question. Right. The idea of Chris Olave or Jarvis Landry being your number three, whichever one gets put up to number three on the depth chart, that's just crazy to think about. That just really gives you you go from that position being your greatest weakness to make an argument might end up being one of your greatest strengths when the season's all said and done.
1: And it's always it's always kind of a uh, fascinating to me. You got three alphas there, right? And they all want the ball, and they all are used to getting the ball with uh, whether it be in college, being the, uh, a top flight receiver, or in the NFL. Um, boy, Jameis Winston better better uh, divvy up the the passes, right, and keep these guys happy. That's people don't realize it, but that's that's important.
3: It absolutely is, and and the only reason I'm not too concerned is. And I know it's a different situation because we're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time for this scenario. I've seen the Buccaneers with Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin—all three established number one—kind of yep. find a way to mesh and win the Super Bowl that first year where they're all together. But uh, you are absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's on Jameis Winston to make sure that he's spreading the wealth and this offense is clicking. And I think, you know, we look back at the Saints team maybe four or five years ago. We've seen Brandon Cooks, Michael Thomas, and Willie Steed all have success together. All of them have over 900 yards receiving in a single season. So I think the blueprint is there, and I think for the Saints, there's going to be some days where maybe it's not Michael Thomas's day, but it's Jarvis Landry's day. And maybe if it's not Jarvis's day, it's Chris Olave's time to shine. So I think they'll find a way, and I think you rather have it that way and have too many options than not have enough options because we all know how that kind of played out last season.
1: No question. But look, that. No question the player with the most approved is Jameis Winston. Look, there was a point in time we all thought that the Saints were might obtain Deshaun Watson, and they were going to let Jameis go elsewhere. But since they gave up on that and Deshaun picked up uh, in Cleveland, uh, the Saints have done everything they can to help Jameis Winston thrive, right? A two-year deal. They got him Olave, They got him Landry. Uh, and, and look, I, I've gone down to say, look, I, I mean – he he was five and two a year ago, 14 touchdowns, only three interceptions before the knee injury. So um, granted the yardage wasn't much, only 186 passing yards and six uh, complete games. Uh, the saints relied heavily on their defense, the run game, but, but he didn't turn the ball over, which plagued his five years with Tampa Bay. So how confident are you? One, that Jameis Winston's going to be healthy, and two, that he can pick up where he left off.
3: I think for the health part, I feel pretty good. Everything that I've heard has been positive on that front, and Jameis is the type of you know player in person where when you go into rehab, he's attacking it every single day at 110%. And I expect no less from him as training camp begins and as they get ready for week one. So I- I'm not worried. I think... Are there some things that will take some time, like maybe rolling out on bootlegs and play action passes? Maybe. But for the most part, I expect him to be close, or if not, 100%. As for you know, how's he going to play, I think you mentioned it perfectly. The Saints showed us last year that they know how to win with that quarterback. I know it's a seven-game sample size, and it wasn't you a know, full season, but five and two in that stretch with a lot of hard games sprinkled in, I feel like they showed that, hey, if we need him to play that game manager role, We can find ways to win games because we have a good defense. Now the question becomes, can you win games because of Jameis Winston? And I know the potential is always there. I know the arm talent is always there, and now the weapons are there. So I think, to your point, this is probably the biggest make-or-break year he will ever face in his NFL career because it could all work out. And from here on out, we'll talk about Jameis being absolutely, without a doubt, one of 32 starters in this league and deserving of being the Saints quarterback. Or we look back at this season and we wonder if the Saints – have their answer a quarterback, and if that's still a question mark, and obviously they don't want that to be the case. So uh, I do think the talent is there, the potential is there for him to do it. Now it's just up to the Saints to figure out what is the perfect blend of opening up this offense, but also making sure that because you opened up your offense, it doesn't mean the floodgates open for turnovers, because the Saints did a good job of limiting the turnover numbers, I believe only three interceptions, but the offense really wasn't explosive. That could have been because of the playmaking, that could have been because of the play calling, whichever reason it might be, we got to figure out this fall which one it is, because now they have the playmakers. It's all about the play calling and executing. So I'm curious to see that. I know the Saints can win games with him being a game manager. What do they look like if Jameis is more than that? Does it look similar to what we've seen in the Packers game, or maybe even similar to the start he had against the Bucks before he got hurt? So I'm really curious to see how that plays out for Jameis. Uh,
1: Chris, game management, as you know, is really good. Only if you got the lead. So, how's he going to yep. play from behind? How are they going to? How is uh, Pete Carmichael going to open this thing up? We uh, shall see. The Saints uh, open training camp for this season Wednesday at the Ashner Sports Performance Center. Um, who has? Who has the better year at tight end? Just let's have some fun with this. Taysom Hill or Adam Troutman? Because I'm a believer that Troutman is going to bounce back. He was hurt a lot last year. I got a sneaky feeling he's going to have his breakout season. The question is, is Taysom Hill going to let him on the field?
3: That's a great question. And I think it's, you know, ideally both of them still making plays, right? And We talked about the receiver group not being good last year. The tight end group was pretty lackluster themselves. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. But I, I believe that, you know, it's also the same thing you've been saying. I do think Troutman has a chance to bounce back. And I think what a lot of people kind of forget, before Troutman got hurt last year, it took some time, but that Philly game, he looked really good. And, of course, just the way the Saints' season went and their luck, the game that he plays great, he got hurt in and he has to miss time. So I think it's always been there, right? He's shown that he can block. He's shown that he can make plays as a pass catcher. Now it's all about putting it together, and I think that everyone's going to benefit from the new influx of talent at wide receiver. You know, having Landry, having Michael Thomas, having Olave, there's not going to be as much pressure on Adam Troutman because when you're a defensive coordinator and you're going through the list of Saints weapons, he's maybe fourth or fifth on your list in terms of, okay, we have to stop this guy at all costs. He Mm -hmm. might be the forgotten man, but that might be a good thing. That might open up more opportunities for him to make plays. So I do believe the talent has always been there for Troutman, and I know it's easy for people to jump off the bandwagon because the second year didn't really live up to the potential, but... People kind of forget how hard it is to play the tight end position. It's one of those yeah. positions where there aren't a lot of good ones at, the, at that position in the NFL because it's so hard to play, and there's so many guys that come in, and it takes them two, maybe even three years to learn how to really maximize their talent. So I do think this could be the year for Trauman, and if he's healthy, I kind of expect it to be the year for him. He's been there, he's been working mm-hmm. hard throughout the offseason, and I think that eventually it's going to click for him.
1: And the Saints traded up to get him, so they saw something in him that they really liked, and and, and I'm all for that. Uh, Chris glue. we'll let you get out on this one. Um, is Die Hard a action movie or a Christmas movie? Which one is it?
3: See, that's tough because everyone has that argument, and I always like to say it is. Like if someone says it's a Christmas movie or not, I say it's a Christmas movie. But if we're talking about I can only pick one of the two, I have to pick the action movie. I mean, that movie's action-packed from the start to the finish. So if I had to pick one of those two, I would say action, but I do think it is a Christmas movie, though.
1: Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. And your favorite sports movie of all time is?
3: Oh, man. I, I have to go Remember the Titans. That would be my favorite one.
1: Remember the Titans. Okay, very good. Very good. Uh, you said you're a film buff, so I guess I had, had had some questions a- answered for me, so I I appreciate that very much. All right, Chris, uh life's about to get really really busy, so enjoy the next couple of days cuz training camp is here and uh I I'm I'm still I am still of the belief that if healthy the Saints are a lot better than what a lot of national pundits think they are. Agree? Disagree?
3: Oh, I'm right there with you. I think that We'll see how it plays out early in the year, but I think some people are going to have to go revisit their work.
1: There you go. All right, Chris, thank you so much, man. I appreciate your time as always.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Jordy.
1: (laughs) You take care, buddy. Chris Roseverglue with us uh talking about the New Orleans Saints. Uh the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles is taking over the Big Easy for Sunbelt Media Days. Tune in Tuesday, July 26th, Wednesday, July 27th, as RP3 and company footnotes and crunch time will be broadcasting from New Orleans for the games live from Sunbelt Media Day coverage, presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Tune in for the takeover of the Big Easy right here on the the game southwest louisiana sports station whereas the tigers aren't thought of very highly just the opposite about the cajuns i'll tell you about that when we return to the jordy helpert show here on the game 1037 lafayette 104 one lake charles you're home for the houston astros you're home for the lsu tigers and for this week you're home for the sun belt media days stay with us time to open up
0: the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 25th, 1999. Lance Armstrong wins his first of seven consecutive Tour de France titles, but is later disqualified for drug cheating. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: We're back 30, uh, 22 minutes after the hour. The Raging Cajuns thought of very, very highly, as remember, uh, tomorrow Sunbelt Conference media days take place and uh, the game. 103.7 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles is taking over the Big Easy for Sunbelt Conference Media Days. Tune in tomorrow, the 26th, Wednesday, the 27th. RP3 and company footnotes and crunch time will be broadcasting from New Orleans for the games live from Sunbelt Media Day coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Tune in for the takeover of the Big Easy right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Um, now, before all this came about Um, coaches got to vote on who they believe will uh, be the best teams and the best players and the defending Sunbelt Conference champion Ragin Cajuns had five players earn preseason honors today and um, in voting conducted by the league's head coaches the Ragin Cajuns were picked to finish first in the West Division they garnered 12 first-place votes and a league-best 95 points. That says an awful lot um, when you lost your starting quarterback and you lost your head coach, who continued to show uh, year after year in incremental betterment. And you lose him to Florida, and still everybody's picking the Raging Cajuns to win their division of the conference that says an awful lot about um, the job that these coaches and prior coaches did as far as recruiting is concerned and how they have lifted and elevated this program to the, to the nature that it has uh, four players are on the preseason. First team Zai Hill green, the defensive line, Eric Garrar, a defensive back Reese Burns, the punter and Chris Smith, all purpose back does a little bit of everything, runs it, returns punts, kickoff, does it all. They were selected. Named to the second team was linebacker Andre Jones. Um, Smith was a first team All Sun Belt Conference specialist last year, was a third team running back. He was the leading rusher for the Cajuns last season eight hundred and fifty five yards on 153 attempts he produced one of the top single game rushing performances in Rage and cajun history last season at arkansas state where he ran for 238 yards on 24 carries and scored a pair of touchdowns um i mean that, that that's pretty good and he's he is um he is focal point number one for sure on this offense, for sure. Um, It's nice to have a guy like Burns, who uh, was an all Sunbelt Conference first team selection last year, 11th in the nation in punting last year with a 46.3 average, um, had 19 kicks over 50 yards on the season, and a season-long kick of 70 yards at Troy, and what coaches really love? Twenty-one kicks were inside the opponent's twenty-yard line, so he returns as well. As the Cajuns open up the twenty-two season at Cajun Field Saturday, September third, against Southeastern Louisiana, and that kickoff is slated for six p.m. Again, just like with every team, who's going to be the quarterback? That's the that's the big. Big question, and um, that—that's that, what Coach Des and staff have to come up with a solution to. And when they do that, if that quarterback can be consistent, because uh, you know the Cajuns are always going to be able to run the football. Always, there is no question, there is no doubt about that. They have forever and a day, and they will continue to do that. The quarterback just needs to make plays when he needs to make plays. Can he move the chains? Third and five, can he get you six or seven yards? And when the opportunity presents itself for a big play, can that quarterback make that big play? So that's the key. Without that, that's the key, no doubt. So we will have all the coverage in the world uh, starting tomorrow. And um, I'm gonna have to talk to the guys and say, hey, who, who's gonna who's gonna grace our show? and uh, make an appearance and tell us what the heck is uh, is going on in New Orleans. So I'm sure the guys will be uh, chomping at the bit to do so. So we look forward to that. Um, and it's a big deal. Glad the Sun Belt is doing what they did. The Southland Conference had their media day at the same time as the SEC. And so, um, you know, McNeese, uh, I was right there at LaBerge in Lake Charles. And... Um, you know, lots of questions there. And new quarterbacks, new quarterbacks abound everywhere. And that's the always the big, big, the big, big question mark. So no more Cody on uh, in the Southland Conference. And we, you know, we, we found out about um, the scheduling of everything. And that with with new team, with uh, Lamar coming back into the fray. Uh, so can anybody dethrone? UIW um, is Texas A&M Commerce going to compete? Who will replace Cole Kelly at SLU? What a, what a quarterback he was, a new coach uh, at McNeese, Coach Goff. So lots of question marks there. But the fact that Lamar has returned, that's good news. Northwestern state, um, has a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, as well as four other fresh coaching faces on top of that. Northwestern state also welcomed in a new uni- university president, new athletic director. And so they've got, they got a lot of change for fifth year head coach coach Laird. Um, and they kick off their season at Montana on September third. You want to play them there. Um, uh, the lions lost the best quarterback in school history to the nfl this offseason in cole kelly um but the media still thinks southeasterns going to be able to compete for a league title under coach frank selfo uh, and frank selfo said hey we may we may play two quarterbacks we're not afraid to do that it'll be an interesting season at that position for sure so there we go um Texas A&M Commerce is one of three former D2 programs making the jump to the FCS this fall. They're another team known as the Lions. So we'll see how Coach David Bailiff and company, uh, the former head man at Rice, he's entering his fourth season at A&M Commerce. So we shall see what happens there. Um, Nichols, you know, Tim Rebo is uh, entering his eighth season as the head coach, one of the most respected coaches in all of football. We shall see uh, if can they get back into contention. And Gary Goff was hired this offseason and his task to lead the Cowboys has begun. Team that went four and seven last fall um, says it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight, but he's proud of his players. They've done a phenomenal job of embracing what we're doing. Look, turnover. Off is the fourth McNeese coach in the last five seasons. He's going to operate, much to the delight of, I'm sure, McNeese fans, an air raid-style offense. Um, he cited depth on the offensive line as being important. He's got a pair of senior offensive playmakers, running back Deontay McMahon, lineman Karen, Karan Coleman. Uh, They landed spots on the preseason all-conference first team. McNeese hadn't made the playoffs since 2015. They begin their season September 3rd with a trip to Montana State. So stay tuned for Southland Conference action. All right, let's take a time out here. We'll get back to the sec and LSU. Blake Rafino, the RU Serious Podcast joins us next here on the Jordy Helpert show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. <laughs>
0: Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Well, we are back 36 minutes after the hour. Let's get it uh, right to it. one of my favorite guests from the Are You Serious podcast, Mr. Blake Rafino. Blake, how you been, buddy? Doing good, Jordy. How about you? I'm good. Thank you very much for asking. Uh, Tigers will start training camp next week. It's a big recruiting week right now. Um, but uh, the SEC media people—not that I, you know, put a lot of faith in this. It does, you know, they're, they're doing the best they can in their job. They—they they don't think too highly of this LSU Tiger team, picking them fifth in the SEC West. Your thoughts?
4: Um. Well, some of them need to go back to school and learn math um, because some of some of them said LSU is going nine and three next year, uh, and Jordy, you can't um, go nine and three and be fifth in the West. So that's
1: right. That was that's the right.
4: um, you know that was the biggest thing for me. It's just kind of like, come on, guys, like it's ba- it's basic addition and subtraction. But um, look, Jordy, I mean, for me, I-, I could see him being as high as two. I can see him being as low as five. You know, I think that there's just so many unknowns um, offensively, you know, because, Jordan, you're replacing five offensive linemen. You're replacing, really and truthfully, you're replacing your running back. You're replacing a quarterback that in his first 13 starts, he he accumulated 37 touchdowns and seven interceptions and Max Johnson. So, I mean, Jordy, you are replacing a lot, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I can see the I can see the cautiousness, um, mm-hmm. but this team does have a lot of talent, right? So they got talent on all three levels, offensively, and, and really, Jordy, you don't we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. So, where I do understand it at number five, um, what what I would say is is I don't think that there's anybody in the West. At a receiver position that's better than Keishawn Boutique. so when you have a playmaker like that, um, it can change some games. And, and Jordy, I was yesterday I I, I, um, I I put myself through the ringer because I went back and watched the Auburn game as an example no. for last year, no. and I, I'm sitting here thinking the entire time, you know, what are we doing as far as play calling, Jordy? There were seven <laughs> times in the first half, seven. Where Max Johnson is screaming at the sidelines to get a play in with less than ten seconds left to go on the, play, uh, on the clock. So I, I just I, I sit back and I ask myself just a simple question, Jordy: of you know how much mon- how much wins does Brian Kelly account for? And if he accounts for two, then you're not fifth in the West. You're you're much much higher.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. What would be a bigger Bigger surprise to you that uh, Garrett Nussmeyer is named the starting quarterback of LSU, or Jaden Daniels is named the starting quarterback of LSU.
4: Um, out of those two, I would say Garrett, just because Jaden does have uh, you know close to thirty starts under his belt, right? Okay. And I think that he protects the football a little bit better. Uh, Jordan, you know, ever, we we talk about Jaden Daniels from a season ago and. The quote unquote air quotes of he threw ten interceptions and ten touchdowns. Jordy, they went eight and five last year, and he yeah. had zero help around him. You know the yeah. the 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 thing is, is people talk about well, the team you know did such and such to his locker when he left. Well, well Jordy, you had to kick two of those players off of your team for missing team meetings. So I, I'm not I'm not worried about Jane Daniels. You know he has yeah. been out. You know, what else is interesting, Jordy? Just this past weekend, uh, Jaden Daniels and the entire skill offense. What I mean by that is receivers, running backs, and Cole Taylor were in California with Jaden Daniels. And there's some things, you know, that he's putting some things together for this offense. So, um, mm. look, I, uh, Odell Beckham was with him as well. Odell Beckham invited guys like Kayshon and and things like that. So, I think that he's shown that from a leadership standpoint, he he knows what to do. So just because of the experience and what we've seen in the recent, very, very recent past, I would be, I, I guess, I wouldn't really be surprised with either one of them. But if I had to choose, I would say Garrett, just because of the lack of experience
1: if be got some of that nil money to be able to fly all the way out to the West coast, eat, sleep somewhere. That's, that's pretty cool. I like that.
4: Um, hey, hey, well, Jordy, that goes a long way now too. You, yeah. you know what I mean? That, I mean, if you think about it now, you know, a lot of people question this young man and he flies the entire dang offense out there. I, I mean, I, I ain't go, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of, <laughs> it kind of says surprised a little bit.
1: Yeah, says an awful lot. Uh, On Thursday during the SEC media days, um, the NCAA essentially came out and said, we're going to allow athletes to transfer an unlimited number of times, leading me to say that the craziness of the transfer portal is going to go out of control. What are your thoughts? And this is basically going to get rubber stamped so players can continue to leave and do whatever they want to do.
4: I don't get it. You know, Jordy, I'm okay. I was okay with the one-time transfer ruling. I was even okay with it being in conference. Um, You know, I don't like guys going to LSU from LSU, going to Alabama or vice versa, but you know, everybody plays in the same playing field, but you know, Jordy, we've had, we have an issue right now. And I was, so I'm very for player uh, involvement and player movement. um, But not like this, Jordy, I think, I think what they're trying to do, and just my um, opinion, I think mm-hmm. the NCAA is trying to do things to get the federal government involved. And I think we're going I don't know if we're, we, we can – I don't know. I, I think we're going to have to have a collective bargaining agreement of some sorts. I, I don't see how you can continue to do things like this and make things worse um, because they are they are making it worse, essentially – and what's crazy is, Jordy, the NCAA is making these rulings, right? But they don't come down with any sanctions, right? They they, right. they, they make things least uh, restrictive. And then when somebody breaks the rules, they're like, oh, whatever. You know, so I, I have no idea what's going to happen here. Um, but this is just – this is getting completely out of control. Um, so I don't know
1: and 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 the latest is um college football players a group of them within the Big 10 have spoken to commissioner Kevin Warren and are laying out demands which include a share of TV rights revenue so uh, they're not only a collective bar yeah there's going to be a college football players association CFPA to to mirror the NFL PA. It's just, this is the inevitability. This is the future. Um, This is the way it's going to be.
4: Well, Jordy, I I will say this, and I'm not saying I disagree or I agree with them, but if the TV contracts that we are hearing are correct and teams are making a hundred million dollars a year, and I understand that it goes into all sports, but we all know, for example, Football and basketball are the main two. Now, how they they divvy some of that money, I do not know. How they mm-hmm. would get into all of that—that's way beyond my pay grade. However, Jordy, let's just give an example. If you're making a hundred a hundred million dollars a year just in TV revenue, that's not with anything else, right? What's five million? I understand. I mean, no. You know, yeah. I, first... I, I'm not saying I agree with it or disagree with it, but you can't be in a situation where, oh, well, Blake, you're paying for the tuition. Well, you're extending that offer to the individual, so you're extending to pay for them that. However, yeah. it's on the other side of this where you're going outside of technically school parameters on other uh, the college football playoff, and you are making – Jordy, for example, in the LSU uh, in the fiscal year of 2019, uh, whatever you want to call it, or even 2020, LSU made $66 million in playing in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about a $30,000 a year scholarship. I really, really don't. Jordy, <laughs> $66 million. Now, well, my issue is, is I don't think that we have somebody in charge – that can oversee and make plans and put them in place. I, I I have been ridiculed on this, and I will probably continue to be ridiculed on this. I think that we got to have a commissioner in all sports, and in women's volleyball to college football. I believe we need that that one voice that can say, okay, this is what we're doing with the transfer portal. We have agreed with the federal government. This is what we're doing with NIL. Those those are some of the, I think that we need that. Now, I don't think we'll ever get there, but it's a, it's kind of a shame. But we need more leadership. You know, Jordy, yeah. the funny thing about all this <laughs> is we continue to blame the kids, but there is no leadership up top. You know, like, I would love to hear Greg Senke's opinion on this, about TV revenue sharing with college athletes. But, Jordy, I, I'm sorry, though. If you're making $100 million a year – I do think that there's got to be something to give into the players on that TV revenue share because without them and all levels of sports, you are not going to make that money. So I, I don't know what the end-all, be-all, and all is going
1: to
4: but that's just how I feel.
1: I, I am in agreement of that. The, 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 the problem I foresee is when you have a commissioner, uh, that commissioner answers to the owners of major league baseball and the nba and the nfl and and the nhl um what who does the commissioner of college football answer to because Not every conference is the same. Not every, I mean, does it, do we have to do away with conferences? I think that's the only way to have a commissioner is you do away with conferences and you have a super, super league like the NFL and you have divisions and, you know, you do it like the, like the NFL. Um, You you can't tell me that the big 10 and the PAC 12 or whatever they're called now are going to agree on anything. Uh, And the SEC and the Big 12, they're not going to agree because everybody's out for themselves to get as much as they can. So uh, uh, that's the only problem I foresee with having a commissioner under the current guidelines that exist. We shall see. Um, And as far as revenue sharing is concerned, that's just going to be the way it is. The first thing I would do though, is you gotta, you gotta get more scholarship money for baseball. Some of these baseball teams are making some money. It might not be a lot, but My God, give them some more scholarship money. Give some kids some more power to get an education.
4: Well, I'm completely there with you. And, look, college baseball is an example. You know, we were talking to Jay two weeks ago. I I, I mean, Jordy, I I don't know if it's just a love of baseball. And, you know, more people, Jordy, during the College World Series, Supers, Regionals, and Conference Championships, did you know that college baseball had more eyeballs on it than a Sunday night primetime MLB game. I'm telling you. Right? Like and, and so I think college baseball is starting to get, you know, a lot of fandom. They're making a lot of money. ESPN is really, really, really doing really well, in my opinion, with the advancement of college baseball. So they are making money and I agree. Eleven point seven scholarships is is insane. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, I, I get the I get title nine. I understand it. But, Jordy, at some point, you've got to talk about what's fair and what's not fair. I, again, I, I understand Title IX, but I think that college baseball should have an exception in reference to some things. If you have 11.7 in college uh, – college ba- or let's just say 20. Jordy, you should be able to have 20 in, in women's softball. Absolutely. Sport, so, for an example, you yes. know, like you ha- you should be able to make up that. Okay, but I I don't understand this roster limit eleven point seven. You know, Jordy, really and truthfully, you know, we need teams like Tennessee to do what they did a season ago to get eyeballs on the sport. I, I know that it makes these lesser teams like a Southeastern not do well when you can have twenty scholarships. But Jordy, that's how it's always been, though. It's not going to necessarily always change, you know. But I I don't know I. Uh, and even even then, and we were talking to Jay about this, too, and, and I think that since the NCAA is, is talking about it, you know, the third assistant. You know, Jordan, they have yeah. two assistants for 35 dudes. Two paid assistants, yeah. I should say. So, uh, even then, I think it's just outlandish, right? Uh, honestly. Um, yeah. But that's right. my opinion.
1: Let's end on this one. Give me um... – we all know who the stars of this team is, but who's who's under the radar? Who's going to be a breakout star in your opinion for this LSU football team this year? You got one? Well, I don't think,
4: yeah, I don't think Mason Smith is getting the love that he deserves, but I'm not going to use him. Uh, Jordy, I, I'm going to say Makai Wingo is the guy that I continue to circle back around on defensive lineman, all freshman, all American uh, defensive defensive lineman from Missouri. Jordy, we talked to players, okay. we've talked to coaches, and I've asked that same question to them live on our show, and every single one of them say Makai Wingo on the defensive side. So when you have – you know, it's one thing if it's just one or two people. But, right. And you know this, Jordy. When you, when you continue – you know, we've talked to 14 people on the defensive side of the ball. I've asked them that question. The number one answer has been Makai Wingo. So okay. either I, either people are just completely – overestimating this young man because <laughs> yeah, of the defensive it. lineman we have now or what but it's
1: him I doubt it i got you all right wingo wingo is the dude uh there's the dude blake Rafino, the are you serious podcast thank you my friends always fun talking to you buddy
4: You're too, Jordy. Talk
1: to you next week. Uh, You got it, man. That's uh, Blake Ruffino, the R.U. Serious podcast. Uh, You can score a new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right. The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337- 283-8100. That's GAME to 337- 283-8100. To join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and more. It's the Game Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. It, not only is the Apple Watch great and does so many things, but so smart. You can change the band uh, so easily. You need to get... 50,000 colors 50,000 styles and change it up every day Uh, apple watch is cool i don't know what i'd do without mine you should get one too just join the game text club text game g-a-m-e to 337-283-8100 we're back to wrap it up with a very important birthday wish when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, we're your home for, get this, the Houston Astros, yes. The LSU Tigers, yes. And for this week, we're your home for the Sun Belt Media Day starting tomorrow and Wednesday in Southwest Louisiana. I don't want to thank Glenn West, Chris Rose for Glue, and Bake Grafino for joining us. If today, July 25th is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to you. You share yours with Happy 27th birthday, Alvin Kamara. Boy, a key part to the Saints. James, thank you for everything. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners for making it possible. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great station, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Do everything you can to do that. Let's all be kind to one another. Let's be happy. So long, everybody.